This is the Against Empire podcast in 2022. Where did it come from? Well, in season one of the Search for Living Prophets podcast, I was getting my feet wet by editing down the best sermons I could find from liberal religion and broadcasting them over the Trump administration. And in season two, I dove more deeply into the speeches of Martin Luther King at his home church and elsewhere and tried to build out a theology for spiritual activism. Well, I took a break off and thought about what I really wanted to do in 2021. And I've actually been working on these episodes for months now, and it just coincidentally, three days ago, Russia invaded Ukraine, and what I had to say turns out to be very relevant. Why is this important? Most Americans think that an empire is a fine thing so long as the United States is an empire. They just don't want any rival powers to be one. And this is just wrong thinking. Empires, they are fundamentally institutions that divide people and create a power hierarchy, and they end in dictatorship and tyranny. Empires are themselves evil. And what better story to illustrate this than to go back to one of the best-known empires in history, Rome, and its rival Carthage, and that's where we'll begin. But at the end of this episode, I'm going to touch on President Zelensky and his resistance to Russia and what he's been saying and show how that is very similar to the Carthage against Rome dynamic. To understand what makes a nation an empire, you have to go back in history to the blueprint for empires, Rome. In 146 BC, the Romans landed a large army near Carthage. The Carthaginians quickly surrendered all of their weapons and sued for peace. Prior defeats had already left Carthage neutralized, a vassal to Rome. They couldn't build ships or weapons or defend their own lands from raiders without permission from Rome. But this wasn't enough. Instead of accepting a complete surrender, the Romans pressed on. They demanded that the city be razed to the ground and the people be scattered in the desert. Naturally, they refused, and so the Romans laid siege. Over the next three years, Rome tried and failed to capture the 800-year-old Phoenician colony, and when they finally breached their defenses, the Romans slaughtered every living soul for a week and enslaved the few remaining survivors on the last day. Then, they salted the earth so the lands would never support a city. They wiped an entire civilization off the map, erasing their culture and their history. Even their superior knowledge on desert cultivation and the secrets of making fine wine were erased, so that the descendants would think this science came from the Roman Empire. Genocide was planned. Leading up to this, Roman leaders in the Senate gave lofty speeches about how Carthage must be destroyed. To this day, students of Latin in high school memorize Cicero's speeches justifying this genocide. The Roman Republic gave us rhetoric, but not humanity. Afterwards, Rome established a new colony nearby, and they named it Africa. This eventually became synonymous with the whole continent that was systematically 
subjugated and colonized by European invaders over the centuries that followed. Racism against Africans began here, for this was the blueprint for empire that other European powers copied over the years that followed, the thousands of years, including the founding fathers of the United States. So what is an empire? An empire has three requirements. First, an underclass, typically slaves. Second, they promote a big lie, something that justifies expanding and conquering neighbors. I'll give examples of this in a moment. And finally, their leaders must have the will, the desire to expand. This feature in particular is the one that has held America in balance teetering between nation and empire for most of the last century. Depending on who is in charge, we either use our power to make life better for everyone or just a select group. So what are these big lies that I'm talking about? What have other empires said to justify their expansion? Well, starting with Rome, the Romans believed that they were making the world more civilized. They connected the conquered peoples with roads and protected trade routes. They massacred barbarians in the name of peace. Nobody asked to join the Roman Empire exactly, but I think you can guess who decides who the barbarians are. Jumping ahead, the Crusades were another attempt for the Holy Roman Empire to expand and control other lands in the name of their one true faith. And to be fair, various Arab caliphates justified expansion in the similar fashion. The colonial period brought a new justification. The English Empire, for example, expanded to every continent in the world, and writers like Rudyard Kipling explained that it was the white man's burden to bring Jesus and culture to the savages whose homelands just happened to be situated on valuable resources. When the colonial powers left India and Africa in the 20th century, this was not the end of their power and control. France, the United Kingdom, and others set up African governments that would continue to protect their interests. When, for example, the people of Guinea-Conakry rejected this, the French retaliated by ripping up the railroads in their country as they left. It was always implied that the new independent countries would remain subjects of their former colonial occupiers. The third world, as it were, was designed to fall behind the rest. A generation later, one skeptical World Bank economist named Bill Easterly wrote a book called The White Man's Burden in which he demonstrated that everywhere the World Bank invested, people grew more slowly than in the countries that were overlooked by the World Bank and left alone. The World Bank was supposed to be ending poverty, but 50 years later, the ultra-poor are worse off now than they were to begin with. I will expand on the economic big lies of empire in a future episode. And what about the Soviet Union? They launched a revolution in 1918 on the premise of creating a classless society with everyone getting their fair share. Only in practice, the Communist Party leaders always got a fairer share than the rest, especially in times of scarcity. Each century 
the big lies became more crafted, more clever in these empires than the last. And that brings us to the United States, the great melting pot, the democracy experiment, the American dream machine. The world's richest country has had several of its own big lies. We are the empire that convinced its citizens that there is no empire, that we are just somehow rich and powerful because of hard work and fair competition alone, no coercion, no influence, and that there was never any racial inequity, no economic disparity, certainly nothing we have to atone for. And when that lie started to fail, we told ourselves that yes, okay, we're an empire, but we're a good empire. Ronald Reagan was fond of calling Russia the evil empire. And because we don't act anything like the Romans or the Soviets or the others that send forth armies to conquer, we're okay because we only set forth armies to set things right. So why does this matter? Why, right now, do I make a whole series about this? Because the road that Trump was able to travel in the last four years was paved by the big lie of the American empire. You can't make America great again without believing that we began as the greatest, most powerful nation, a self-righteous and fully justified superpower because of some divine rights. If you undermine that underlying idea, then the idea of make America great again is then laid bare for what it is. Our future is tied up with the lies that we've told ourselves in the past. And secondly, it won't be enough to simply dial Trumpism back a notch. You can't believe in empire and just not the naked aggression kind. You can't sustain a democracy that does good for everyone and turns a blind eye to the underpinnings of what made America a superpower in the first place. You have to undo what was wrong. But you don't have to do it alone. All of the prophets throughout history have laid bare the cobblestone road of lessons that teach us to reject power grabs and the desires of empire. We walk this road of history together. Every soul that stumbles and falls wears down the path for the next to come along. And this podcast will try to organize those lessons and stories for you over the next year. Finally, we need to talk about empire and the words of the prophets now because we just left the information age and we've entered the disinformation age. Now, battles are fought to control ideas and shift loyalties without regard to borders and nations. Battles rage inside of governments and inside our daily social media feeds. Empires have evolved and become more subtle. If we continue to keep watch for invading armies, we won't see the subterfuge that corrupts our values and leaves us unable to decipher truth from a lie. I won't have all the answers in this podcast but I'm ready to ask some probing, uncomfortable questions. I hope by the end, you'll see your world through a different lens, one that clarifies what it means to seek justice for all people. Why should the accident of one's birthplace determine whether they are blessed with freedom or sentenced to suffer? Why should citizenship entitle one person to more than another? This world has enough to afford everyone a modest piece of prosperity, so much hides in plain sight, and hopefully I can shed a little light on those contradictions. This will be another episode. 
Let me conclude by returning to Carthage, that advanced civilization across the street from upstart Rome. Legend has it that its founder claimed the land from a local Berber chieftain through cleverness, not conquest. When he told her she could have as much land as an ox hide would cover, Dido, their, their founder, cut a single ox hide into thin strips and laid them in a coil around a hill, claiming the whole thing. They planted orchards, vineyards, olive groves, and vegetables in a ring of gardens surrounding their beautiful city, irrigated by modern canals. They prospered through trade and agriculture, and their influence stretched throughout North Africa and Western Mediterranean. They even served as a refuge to Carthage's mother city of Tyre when Alexander the Great sacked it. Carthage ruled itself with elements of a democracy, a republic, and an oligarchy. They made peace with the many powerful tribes of North Africa, who then supported them against foreign aggressors. Carthage was the first civilization to separate civilian leaders from military ones and place civilians in charge of the military. They thrived through trade and cooperation. It was Rome that envied them and made them its rival and made war on them. During the war, a Carthaginian general named Hannibal led an army of, with elephants and cavalry through Spain and Gaul, crossing two mountain ranges. You've probably heard this story. What you probably forgot is that when Hannibal arrived in Rome, he occupied a large part of Italy for 15 years. Hannibal chased the Roman legions, but he didn't destroy the nation. He negotiated a treaty and left Rome intact and returned home. A generation later, Rome's warmongering returned, they tore up the treaty, and eventually they destroyed Carthage altogether. Whether for revenge or for greed, the real lesson is that the structure of empire doesn't allow for lasting peace. The moment it landed in Carthage, Rome had already won, but they would not rest until the city and its people were annihilated, erased. Some might imagine that the empire ended when Rome converted to Christianity nearly four to five hundred years later, but religion has often been made to serve empire and seldom to reform it. Even the most well-known and subversive message of Jesus, turn the other cheek, would not stop Rome. It was just ignored. People are what end empires, not prophets or religious beliefs. Both of these stories will return in future episodes. Now, more than ever, it is important to seek out the lessons of past prophets who have railed against power, against would-be empires. This is the focus of Series 3 of my podcast, Prophets Against Empire. So, events of this week. On the day of the invasion... Putin threatened the West, saying, Hinder us, and it will lead to such consequences that you will have never encountered in history. Putin also claims he's the richest man in the world. But Ukraine's President Zelensky, a former comedian, is his foil. He told his people, I don't want my picture in your office. The president is not an icon. Hang your kids' photos instead, and look at them each time you make a decision. On day three of the war, Zelensky said, Today is the first day in the life of a baby girl born in the bunker of a Kiev metro station. When babies come into this world, even under shelling and fire, then the enemy has no chance in this war. 
The Americans offered to evacuate Zelensky that day. He said, I might be killed, but I can't abandon my people when our country is going through its darkest hour. I believe Zelensky's humanity and love for others will overcome Putin's cold, calculating terror. But time may tell. Until next time. Where's the revolution?